And welcome, welcome, welcome. We are here live from the Collaborate 31 studio. As you hear, we are getting it in today. <laughs> Thanking God for all the greatness that he does. You're listening to the Comenius Institute radio show, Warp and Wolf Radio, Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, every Wednesday morning making sense of this craziness, uh, weaving the wisdom and the knowledge here between 10 and 12. What's up, my brother? <laughs> hey, it's good to see you, man. I'm uh, really excited about this morning. We got a couple of great guests in the house here, we've got Gordon Brooks and Dennis Wilson, and uh, we're going to be talking about lifelong friendship. We're going to be talking about music. You just heard a little bit of the wind instrument sax coming in here, and that's a good good sound to hear right away, first thing, HP. Absolutely, and uh, what we're going to do is, as we always do, take a musical break. And since I have my brother Gordon in the studio today, we're going to throw some of this uh, Walter Beasley, Mr. Magic on, and then we come back, <laughs> let Gordon pick up on that, and then we're going to talk about how we should be grateful for all these things that God keeps doing in our life, especially friendships. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. You're listening to Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site. Thanksgiving Radio Next TV live up in here. Gordon Brooks making it happen. Dr. Mark Echo, take this show away, man. I'm all excited up in here. You know how it is when I get musicians in this studio. Yeah, man, you're just all about it. And it's wonderful because the connection to the musician and to the promoter is this huge connection that's really wonderful and good. We're looking forward to all kinds of connections that we can make with all different kinds of folks all across the spectrum. Uh, we're actually broadcasting today from Collaborate 317 out near here near Greenfield, Indiana, uh, which is about 20, 25 minutes from downtown Indianapolis. You cannot miss this place. This is a wonderful place, 25,000 square feet under roof. We've got a 300-seat gallop uh, situation where we can throw events. We've got a 50-seat video venue. We've got our own studio here where we can actually uh, not only create radio shows, but we're going to be working on video as well. And this morning we have a wonderful opportunity as we head into Thanksgiving celebration tomorrow to discuss the issue of gratitude. We've been talking about that on air all week or all month long during the month of November. And uh, I've asked uh, two gentlemen in uh, today to talk this through with us. Uh, we're talking about two lifelong friends, Gordon Brooks and Dennis Wilson, and uh, we've asked them in to talk about the issue of friendship, but it, within the spirit of gratitude, uh, to be thankful, to be appreciative of what we have in this life and especially in the relationships that we have with each other. So, gentlemen, uh, Gordon and Dennis, thanks so, ever so much for being here. Whoever wants to take this first, uh, just tell us a bit about yourselves, your families, your churches in Indianapolis. Let's just start, Gordon. Um. Wow. Churches and family. I was raised in a Methodist church in Anderson. Uh, I believe it's the oldest black church in Anderson. My, uh, mm. I want to say my great-great-grandmother started it in the kitchen of her home. It okay. was called Second Methodist. Mm. And then they uh, bought another church and it became New Hope. And that's where I got a great foundation outside the house because my dad is the one that... Uh, in the morning when I would catch him, was reading his word hmm. in his chair hmm. uh, up before all of us and went to bed after us. But he was a gentleman that uh, <laughs> raised me, and one of his biggest statements was, be a man, be hmm. a man. And hmm. he constantly brought it back to the Bible, not as a religious, 
aspect. But he even, after I was uh, spanked when I was younger, he got to the point where I needed to go to the, ro- the room and read mm. Proverbs and then come back and tell him what I read. And then if he didn't think I read what I needed to read, I had to go back and read it again. <laughs> so right. he was planning the word, and yeah. I didn't realize uh, mm. all that was happening. But as I get older, I really just wish I could tell him thanks because mm. mm. he was the man that was the example and he was better than me to the point that, you know, I need to treat you like a man. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't have to act your color, be who you are. Yeah. And and don't um, look a man straight in the eye. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that I really am appreciative that he enforced and instilled. Sure. Uh, and then that there is the um, biggest foundation. And when I left home, I ran the gambit. But I always had that, and it was there. Mm. I think I learned to speak in tongues when I was 11, 12 years old, not knowing I was doing that. I mm. was just talking with God, mm-hmm. making up music, because I mm. didn't want to think about the words. Okay. And then as I got older and started reading the word and te- hearing the word, I said, wow, I was speaking in tongues of men and angels when I was a baby. Mm. Uh, mm. But I always had a feeling that he was with me. Mm. And... Uh, Learning more of it gives me more freedom to just be thankful mm-hmm. and to change things that I can because I'm a non, non-drinking alcoholic. Yeah, okay. 11 years. All right. And uh, there was some time where I was out there, and uh, that was my medicine to deal with the world mm-hmm. because different times I needed that false courage Yeah, sure. to walk amongst the different folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, congratulations on that on that anniversary, and I and I wanted to bring it back just for a moment uh, before we get to Dennis and uh, give kind of a background to his life. But I, you kept using the word man and uh, talking about how to be a man and to step up and be a man, and you know you had that kind of man. How how important is it for young men to have men in their lives? It's invaluable. They need someone to emulate, someone that's a mentor, a mentor that they can look to to see how a man is. Mm. I mean, to say be a man, but then also to be that example. There it is. I'd rather, you know, uh, see a sermon and hear one. That's it. And my dad was the sermon. Mm. One story, we had a winter coming on and a nor'easter coming through, and we lived out in the country. And he told my mom he had to go into town because, like, we didn't know how long we'd be snowbound. Right. And my mom's worried because she's not from the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dad got in the car and drove to Anderson, and uh, she didn't see him, was worried. It was dark. Mm-hmm. And she got on a cranking phone and was calling folks. No, Dolores, he left hours ago. The porch light was on, and then we hear a tractor. Mm. And my dad's standing on the tongue of it with a sled. Look real trees. Mm. Yeah, these are these are memories that you never forget, right? These are things that uh, stand out in your mind, and you get that picture in your brain, and that you know when you think about your dad being a man. 
Shoot, he put man. his life on his line. There it is. Yeah, that, that's it. This is a, a tremendous testimony, uh, not only for yourself, but for your family and for the, the wonder of how you grew up and, and all the background to that. Thank you so much for sharing that part of your life. I, I wanted to uh, move to Dennis and, and talk a little bit about yourself and your families, your church in Indianapolis, and, and uh, maybe at the end of that, maybe begin the segue uh, uh, into your relationship together well <clears throat> as i look back you know you gave me the questions a, a couple of days ago and i've been trying to you know sort through and go back through memories and everything and it kind of seems like uh, growing up uh, my life kind of centered around uh, uh, mathematics and uh, coaching and and then I had two grandfathers that were kind of really instrumental in my mm. life. And uh, again, my dad was, but not to the point my my, my grandfathers were, because I was uh, the only grandson, and they I don't I think they put a lot of of uh, emphasis on the direction that that I was going to to take. And and it's funny how things kind of I look back, and there's certain people that were very instrumental in, in my life. I remember going into uh, my senior year in high school, and uh, I had all the uh, stuff to go to college, and I laid it out in front of the principal because back then in a small school, the principal did everything. Mm. He was guidance director, principal, everything else. And he looks over my papers, and everything seemed to be in order. And, I had the fifty dollars with it. One one grandfather that didn't have the fifty dollars gave me to send in with the application, and the other grandfather, uh, my, my dad's dad, uh, every time I needed some money, you know, he'd go to the bank, and all he had was Social Security, but mm. he had good good credit, and mm. he could always get two hundred and fifty for me, and then he would pay it off. Mm out of uh, almost nothing that he hmm. had. But he, he did that, you know, because he wanted me to, to go to college. And I'd always heard that college was important in uh, the direction of my life. And I remember the principal sitting there, and he said, uh, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to coach. And he said, uh, well, you got to teach something. And I said, well, I figured I would probably teach social studies and history and he said, no. He said, uh, you're, you're going to teach math. <laughs> and uh, he advised me to get a math degree. He'd been my freshman algebra teacher. And uh, The only thing I knew to do was do what he said. And, hmm. and that's the direction that I went. And I think he saw some things in my life. I would sit around. Uh, my, my one grandfather liked baseball, and he had... Uh, uh, these magazines, and I would figure out how to figure slugging percentage and all <laughs> kinds of things. And so I was just always interested mm. in, in the mathematics of, of things. And that's what kind of directed me. You know, and why did I want to coach? Well, at the age of 14, I was coaching a little league team mm. because I had, had a coach that, uh, in his wisdom, he use the high school boys to coach the Little League. Mm. <coughs> and evidently they didn't have enough 
upperclassmen, and I got to do that at age 14. I did it at hmm. 15, and then we had a little league basketball program that run in the winter because all 12 uh, grades were in the same building. and So I, I coached that. So it was just natural that, I mean, I've got, I've got guys come up to me, and uh, one works at Walmart, and uh, he was asking me, he said, you remember when, when you, you, you were my little league coach? And he's almost as old as I am. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, that kind of got me into uh, what was to be my lifelong mm. pursuit. Now, the, the thing that made it really interesting to me is that when I became a Christian, you know, I, I grew up going to church. Uh, I think the only thing that was planted in my mind when I was growing up were the hymns. You know, hmm. he lives and uh, all the great hymns of the faith because I don't remember any messages or anything. Hmm. But my other grandfather uh, pulled me aside one Sunday afternoon on the way back to college. He said, can you come stop by and see me? This is my senior year. I said, yeah, and he was teaching a Sunday school class, but he was so feeble that he couldn't go to the class, so he was taping it. Hmm. And it was on first, or it was on John chapter 1 uh, to 14. And he started, He set a spark in me. You know, I, I've always been intrigued by great people, but I saw here someone that was at the top of the list. Hmm. And it took several years for that to really work out. He died the next spring, but I spent about uh, probably five, four or five years pursuing Jesus. Hmm. Now, what I didn't realize is Jesus was pursuing pursuing me you. Yeah, all, absolutely. All the time. This is... And when that happened, when I began to realize what the Bible was saying, and you had verses like the verse in Colossians where through Him. All things hold together. The mathematics took a whole different uh, perspective in my life. And it became a, a means to plant seed in my students' lives. Hmm. This is a tremendous uh, testimony that we're hearing from uh, both Gord Dennis about how their lives have been changed through uh, the testimony of Jesus and, and specifically through the testimony of men uh, in their lives. Uh, this is a, a fantastic opportunity to, uh, just before Thanksgiving, give thanks to the one who has made us, but also to the great people who have preceded us. You're listening to Gordon Brooks lay it down here for us on Warp and Woof Radio. You're listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Group site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And the day before Thanksgiving, we are giving appreciation and gratitude to two men uh, for their lives, but also they're giving appreciation and gratitude for the men in their lives as well as uh, their personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're talking to Gordon Brooks and Dennis Wilson. And just before break... We were hearing from both of them about their testimonies and specifically uh, the individuals who perhaps uh, made a difference in their lives. Uh, and I think it would be really important now as we kind of segue, move into uh, this concept of friendship uh, to explain how the two of you came 
to become friends and uh, maybe the longevity of that. So take that however you would like to, uh, move in the direction that you'd like to move in, uh, tell us a story or two, however you want to do that. First off, I just got to say that this man was a teacher and a coach, but he was also an example because mm. I don't know if he knew that he was watched mm. when he walked, when he talked, when he did what he did, and mm. his sense of humor. <laughs> and I, I love math, and he made it simple. Mm. And then some of his one-liners always kept a sense of humor in it. <laughs> One of them was about the car. Does it roll over the tires? Or do the tires pull the car over itself? Uh. And I may not have worded that exactly right, but that was one of those images. Mm-hmm. And then what's up the road? Ahead? Ah. Yep. Mm. Uh. <laughs> and just different things. And then the way he made math simple, and he was a coach, football coach mm-hmm. for me, and, and he may have coached other things. But back in the day, you if you didn't do the work in the classroom, you couldn't play on the field. I don't care how good mm-hmm. you may have been. Mm-hmm. And that that's, that's one thing that I, I really appreciated. And I don't think back in the day you thought that you might make a career out of sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did minor in math for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> music, my dad bought me the first horn. And it was the one thing that I enjoyed continually. Hmm. And it was when I had the chance to decide what I was going to major in at school. No scholarships for sports. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy music, and I enjoy doing it all the time. Hmm. So go for it. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. that's a nice, lovely uh, connection to, between math and, and music. And that would be an interesting topic to dis- discover and dis- discuss by itself how important music and math are to each other. And I uh, use that with my students as mathematical and English. It's phrasing mm. and finding the rhythm. Mm. And I call it the heartbeat, the pulse. Yeah. And everything's got its own rhythm. And I keep thinking of the poetry that I learned from Mrs. O'Neill. Mm. Um, we all follow the beat of a different drummer. Mm. And for people to find their rhythm yeah. and then to stay in that there just gives you, you know, yeah. comfort as you're walking through. And the pictures that you're suggesting to us through metaphors are powerful as well. You know, they really stand out to us. I, I'm fascinated, of course, Dennis, by your connection to uh, Gordon uh, in, in the general sense, but also in the coaching sense. So take that in whichever direction you'd like to go here in, in terms of this lifelong friendship that's been sustained. Well, <clears throat> I think you can t- say that our uh, friendship revolves around that common experience, but over the years, it's we realize that that thing has grown around Jesus Christ. Uh, that's what really has held us together. But uh, Gordon's parents were fine people. I didn't know his mother that well, but I knew his dad really well. And uh, <clears throat> he became... Uh, I would say what one of my my greatest fans and supporters, uh, probably the best I ever had. In fact, I can remember <clears throat> setting up in the it was 1969 Hancock Central, which is a school that I coached at, was closing, and the final track meet. At that time, I was coaching track, and for some reason, uh, uh, Gordon and Tom Senior and I were setting. I don't know whether it's my car or his car. And he told he gave me the best compliment I've ever had as a teacher or a coach. He said, I dream 
about being your assistant coach. <laughs> That's and, great. <laughs> uh, had I known that, I would have had him on the bench with me during the basketball season. Uh, Gordon's dad played uh, on the great Eden teams of 44, 45. Uh, the 45 team, I think, was ranked fourth in the state. And Eden probably had 25 boys in the, in the whole high school. It, it wasn't a very big school. Hmm. Uh, the amazing thing is I never knew about that team. And I really should have known about it because the, I'm not going to mention any names, but the school that I graduated from was really thoroughly beaten by them in 44 <laughs> to the point that we didn't even schedule them <laughs> the next year. And uh, I had never heard about that game, and yet I never heard it from Tom's dad or several others that could have told me. And finally uh, – uh, a man that's been a lifelong friend for the last 30 years, uh, he uh, he asked me if I knew about it, and I said no. So he told me the whole story. But but his dad just, uh, uh, I remember one night somebody had something negative to say about me, and Tom Sr. set him straight, and I know why. I know that happened because Tom told me after after <laughs> practice, he said so-and-so was up there dissing you about something you were doing, and he said, I just set him straight that, you know, you better be thankful that that man's in your son's life. Mm. And uh, that's just, that's the kind of friendship that, that that we had. We didn't see each other very often over the years, but uh, I've always cherished uh, what I felt uh, from him, and it's I think it's transferred to our relationship hmm. with Gordon. Now, the other thing I like about what we've had over the years, and I think this is very important with friends, um, he has shared experiences with me from his perspective that I couldn't know about. And that has broadened my uh, vision of what's going on in this world. And sometimes we talk to each other and we don't even agree on <laughs> things. But, you know, when you have true friends, you can talk that way. Uh, he doesn't have to agree 100% with me and I don't have to agree 100%. With him. But in the end, we know that someday we're going to be together in complete agreement. Mm, there you go. And uh, that's, that's, that's a huge issue. And I, you know, one of the things I think that kind of comes out of this, for me at least, I'm listening to both of you tell this, these stories about each other, and one of the things that uh, is pretty obvious is that this connectivity is uh, between you and the Lord and each other. And so that really speaks volumes in terms of, of uh, the sustained friendship. Uh, you had talked earlier, I heard you uh, both say something about this growing relationship. So, you know, over the years, obviously, it's been many years since you were in high school, many years since you were a high school uh, coach and that kind of thing. Uh, when you think about this kind of idea, 
what does what is it that sustains that what what keeps it going over time you had mentioned your relationship with jesus are there other principles that go along with this uh that that interact with your friendship together for me i guess it's just that we can be honest with each other mm-hmm. and if one is trying to bs the other one sees it mm-hmm. <laughs> um cuz i mean i've i've left the area I've gone to New York and Texas and whatnot, and over the years, he's not changed. Mm. And I think that is is invaluable um, because it's not because I've had different folks at one minute say one thing; they've been two faced. Okay, and he's never been that mm. um, that I see. Mm-hmm. And he, I've been able to talk to him because I've had situations to where I'd sit down and talk with him for a minute. Mm-hmm. And we were doing coffee for a while, and he talks about we can disagree, but then still come back together because there's different things that I'm sitting back, and I can be really, I can't believe you think on that. (laughs) And then I'll go away for a while and come back, and it's all cool because Mm -hmm. we celebrate the friendship more than anything. Yeah. And everybody's got to have an opinion, and some folks are worse than the weather. Whatever direction the wind's blowing, (laughs) that's where they're going to be. Yeah. Right. And one more statement about my dad. He was so humble. He never yeah. bragged about, said anything about. Everybody else had to speak about it. Mm-hmm. One football game, I I ran from one end to the other and scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And while well, I'm thinking my dad would be proud of me, he said, Gordon, that applause only lasts for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Back down to reality. Mm-hmm. And they they wouldn't allow us to be all that in a bag of chips, but we were. Okay. And I never really appreciated how much gratitude I have for both of them. Mm. That's a marvelous statement. Marvelous statement. Well, they both did for their kids, and they didn't give them a lot of things, but they 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 raised them with the two parent household, mm-hmm. and to know right from wrong, and to be gentlemen, uh, and to respect the name. Mm-hmm. And my mom said, Gordon, you're more of a man to walk away from a situation. Mm. So at 65, I've still never hit a man. And I'm an Army veteran. I've been hit. I've had guns out on me. Mm. But not to bring shame to the family and then not to feel I got to beat up somebody to prove mm-hmm. my point. Mm-hmm. And it was taught. And it was it was led by example. Because I saw folks treat my dad indifferently because of, our race, mm-hmm. and and he said, just because we work together doesn't make him my friend. Yeah, yeah. But he would stop and help anybody. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't matter who. Wouldn't yeah. matter. Dennis, just a moment ago, you said that uh, one of the things that was important about your friendship uh, with Gordon is that you hear things from a different perspective. Uh, what did you mean by that, and how does that impact the friendship? Well, I'll share. Can, can, can I share the? Valentine's story. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> About a year after, you know, I'd gone to another school, and Gordon was home either on break or in the summer, and he and two or three other guys came down to where we lived down in Shelby County, and we got to talking about things, and Gordon brought up uh, something that kind of bothered him, but he never said anything about it uh, growing up. He said Valentine's Day. You know, everybody bought these little uh, sets of cards. There was 30 cards, and there was always one 
for a black kid. <laughs> and he said he would end up with 25, 30 black Valentine cards. Now, from the white perspective, they probably thought they were doing something all right because there, there was a card spatial for Gordon, but Gordon wanted to be just a person, not a specific type of person. Mm -hmm. And just little things like that we've talked about over the years that uh, have opened my eyes to uh, sometimes the insensitivity that we've had in this country. I don't think we have it. I don't see it much because I had foreign exchange students from Africa, Ghana, and they didn't seem to be affected by some of the the statements and stuff that we have here. And I, I think this comes from our history mm -hmm. as, as a nation. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what, what, what I mean, that sometimes we can share these things. And he's just given me an insight. And, and I've got some, some other uh, uh, dear friends, uh, kids that I taught at Washington High School in Broad Ripple that have shared things like that because I always found that uh, you know relationships are important but you don't get a, a good relationship until there's that element of trust mm -hmm. in the relationship mm. and and once you build the element of trust with someone then you have the opportunity to talk to them about anything mm -hmm. I think the, the big mistake is we have seen evangelism as nothing more than presenting uh, maybe the Romans Road or something like that to somebody, getting them to say the right thing and walking away from them. Mm. Evangelism is not, uh, you know, we need to be evangelistic, but we need to learn what discipleship is. Oh, my word. There, there's the huge issue yeah, right there. Yeah, that's walking with people over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like Paul says, uh, follow me as I follow Christ, uh, paraphrase. What you're hoping is somebody walks with you long enough that they no longer follow mm -hmm. you, but they follow Christ. Yeah, that's right. There it is right there. So this is a, a tremendous conversation we're having with Gordon Brooks and Dennis Wilson and this concept of what does it mean to have lifelong friends uh, and it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, doesn't matter uh, your age, uh, all of those things uh, really kind of are set aside when you stop to think about the importance of friendship. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio on RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. We are back, Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. You are listening to a great conversation today between Gordon Brooks and Dennis Wilson. And, of course, we have been talking about the issue of gratitude within the context of the wonders of friendship. And so uh, as we had the last couple of segments talking about friendship sustained through the years and uh, why friendship is important as Christians, uh, I wondered if there were other biblical principles that come to your minds as it relates to this friendship and gratitude for how this has directed your lives. What are some of the things that you think of? What does Scripture teach that really have en has enlivened how you think about these kinds of ideas. Thoughts about that? 
either one of you? I think it's just the aspect of love and forgiving. And sometimes that's been one of my hardest issues is to really do to love and, and to really do the the word to forgive. Mm. Um, I'm always thinking about this bracelet I got from a grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. I sang at his funeral in Elwood, Indiana. Wow. And we became friends. Wow. And it's when my drinking days, and he had a Confederate hat on from the Civil War. And I said, what's up with the hat, old man? And uh, we became friends. Mm. And he became a, a preacher over the Internet type mm -hmm. of thing. Sure. Uh, but one of the relatives by marriage tried to start an issue at his funeral. And mm -hmm. I said, Charlie gave it to me. We'll talk about after the... Charlie's brother and sister called and apologized wow. for what, you know, and it, and it just teaches you then. And I sometimes believe that God's put me where I've been to make somewhat of a change to help, mm -hmm. to assist. Yeah. Um, and again, the stories that I heard if by Kipling mm. and there are certain things that aren't read, aren't spoken. And I believe the kids are the ones that are being affected mm -hmm. by the music by the, the lack of respect in that music mm. and by the, the, the lack of reading some good material. This new system is not always as good as we think it is. Right. There you go. Uh, working with my daughter, she's a school teacher, and she's helping me not be mean. <laughs> <laughs> some of the kids do the doggonest things, mm. and um, but also seeing how just me showing up is blessing some of them, mm -hmm. giving them something that they didn't have. Mm -hmm. And me being there, they changed some of their attitude mm -hmm. and trusting that over time I'll be able to make more of a lasting effect so that they can really see who they are and be something mm -hmm. because uh, they're disruptive. They don't. I don't know that they are, I don't know how to put it in words, mm -hmm. but at a fourth grade level, it scares me what they're going to be like when they're in the seventh and eighth grade. Yeah, exactly. This uh, your comments about love and forgiveness, and just because we're on radio and and uh, nobody can see us necessarily, it's important to say that Gordon is African American. So when he shows up at a Ku Klux Klan funeral, and the Grand Dragon has uh, asked him ahead of time before his death to do this, uh, this is a big deal. So when you're talking about love and forgiveness, there's an awful lot of that that has to take place in order for that particular event to uh, actually be sustained. So uh, Dennis, from your perspective from your vantage point when you think about biblical principles that sustain a friendship what do, what are your thoughts on this issue well i don't think we can really understand the value of, of, of anything without understanding the need for, for forgiveness mm. and you know, we, we know from, from the Bible's point of view that uh, to forgive, we've got to uh, actually f forget. Mm. And uh, the Bible actually says that God will no longer remember mm -hmm. our sins. And I, I think if we don't understand that, uh, what's actually going on there, we're going to have a lot of trouble with the forgiveness because... A lot of times a deep hurt mm. sticks around 
even afterwards. And if we're willing to linger on it, can you know just fester there, mm. or what we have to do is choose to not bring it up, not bring it up to ourselves, and not bring it up to the other person. And that's something that we we don't have going on right now in, in our culture. Everything, everybody's hanging on and remembering. Uh, every little transgression uh, mm-hmm. against against them and then trying to make a deal about it later yes later on and if we don't get to the point of where we can truly forgive which i think i think even god you know you say well the bible says god uh, he chooses not to remember he chooses not to bring it up to us i i don't think it's uh, you know this is just my personal opinion uh, I, I think he remembers it, but because of his grace and mercy mm. in our lives, he chooses not to to uh, mm. bring it up. Now, when you understand the cross in terms of what he did to forgive us, then there ought to be great gratitude from our heart for everything that, that follows. Mm. Uh, Cicero... Uh, that I ran into this the other day. Cicero says that gratitude is is not only the greatest of the virtues, but the parent of all others. And I think when we go into the Bible and we understand and read about the virtues, and see that's something the, the Greeks saw it. They couldn't, you know, put their hands on it completely because they didn't know God, they didn't know they didn't know the God of the Hebrews. They, they didn't know the Savior, Jesus. But they understood that there was a good and then there, were, there, was, there was bad. And uh, they, they believed that, that gratitude was very um, important in their life. And I think once you understand what God has forgiven, uh, you know, what he's forgiven me, I have to have gratitude, uh, you know, thankfulness to him and then thankfulness to all that he has put into my life. Even those uh, bad times, because we know uh, suffering is for our good. In fact, I I don't think I grow unless I am suffering. Mm. Uh, These are important concepts, important ideas. Uh, One of the things we've been talking about all November uh, on this program is... uh, the, what I call the twin pillars of life, uh, gratitude and discipline. Gratitude because you must give thanks to somebody outside of yourself and discipline because there is something necessary that takes place within yourself. So you give thanks to the one outside, who is, whoever that is, for what they've done and given, and then you bear the responsibility of taking it from there. So you're absolutely right. Cicero's great quote there about the parent of all other uh, virtues is really a, a huge issue. Uh, when I think about... Uh, this and you know, Gordon. I heard you say this about your daughter and Dennis. Obviously, been a teacher for so long. Uh, how do uh, we help students develop gratitude? How do we help students develop the friendships like you guys have with each other? I, how do you do that in a real practical way? I want to clarify one thing. Go ahead and, and remind me of that. Everybody at that funeral wasn't a member of the clan. Understood. And I want to yep. make sure that nobody yep. thinks that you know. Sure. Um, 
but it was an excellent time and and some good friendships. Mm -hmm. But by being the example again with the children, by my my daughter and I having a fellowship, a fun fellowship that the kids can see, mm -hmm. but she still respects the fact that daddy. Yeah. Um, and then being that that seeing how we interact with other teachers, mm -hmm. and 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 and. I sat down and made a sketch of a Batman thing for one of the kids because some of them really act out because somewhere they're getting yelled at constantly and they don't have a big old... Because one kid that's made the size of my hands, well, you got really big hands. But to see them and then to bring them little treats mm -hmm. to show that you know someone cares yeah. uh, is, is invaluable because mm. they don't have that interaction with other adults that tells them, you're going to grow up, you need to take charge now. This is as easy as life gets. Mm. And you're responsible because you're of that age now. Mm. And you can't blame it on somebody else. Mm. And and uh, The example that, that folks are setting is an important issue. Oh, a major issue. And what they're being, because we do not realize how they're being fed through radio, through TV, mm -hmm. through all sorts of movies. Yes. And they're very detrimental. That's how they see the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. then to be taught, because my dad taught me, you know, when somebody pulls you over, follow their instruction. Mm. Don't immediately get the attitude. Mm -hmm. And I shared with Dennis one time that we got to watch my dad in action. Mm. He was pulled over in a country. And uh, he told me not to turn around because somebody was following him. Mm. My brother turned around to see who was following him. Mm -hmm. And it was the man. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, the lights go on because uh -huh. evidently we're doing something wrong. But the guy goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm headed home. Well, where do you live? Blah, 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 blah. License registration. Mm -hmm. And then he had asked my dad for instructions to get back to the main road. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just some folks don't realize that there are real situations that others deal with because of the color of their skin. Yes. And my dad had tremendous character, tremendous character. I, I could talk about him for days, mm -hmm. uh, but also about how many folks said, that's Tommy's boy, that's Tommy's kid, mm -hmm. because he had earned the respect from everybody around him. Yeah. And uh, Makes a huge difference. Huge difference. So you're talking about your dad and the importance of that and the kind of the testimony that he left you. Dennis, from your vantage point, uh, as you think about developing students over all the years uh, that you were a teacher, uh, how did you go about doing that? Was that an intentional issue, or was that just kind of uh, brought on because you are who you are? Well, I was just happy I was making money doing something I enjoyed <laughs> doing. It's just, you know, it, I never really thought about uh, uh, that aspect of it. But I think, you know, I, I saw teachers that, really didn't enjoy what they were doing. They, mm. you know, some totally didn't enjoy what they were doing. They, mm. you know, some totally didn't enjoy what they were doing. They, mm. you know, some totally didn't enjoy what they were doing. They, mm. you know, some totally didn't enjoy what they were doing. They, mm. you know, some totally didn't enjoy what they were doing. They, mm. you know, some totally didn't enjoy what they were doing. As you go through college, you think you want to do something and then you get into it and that's not what you thought it was going to be. And then you get to a point where it's really scary mm -hmm. to get out. Now, I did, I did it. I taught 13 years, and then 
left and spent nine years in sales and then went back. And I, I would recommend, uh, I'd recommend all teachers going out and doing something for three years after they've taught a while. And they might have a different appreciation for what they're doing, uh, why they're doing it. And, uh, but I, I really think it helps. Uh, the, the teachers that I knew that really were the most effective were the ones that, that had a, a deep faith hmm. in Christ because they were not there uh, just for their own uh, self-interest but they understood that uh, this was a ministry a calling that, that God had uh, had given them so I, I think <clears throat> when you come to work and you enjoy what you're doing every day you're not complaining mm. about everything um, you have the interactions with the kids the positive interactions you know, I, I had one student valedictorian told me that later in the year she said you know that I've had you for two years now had her pre-calculus and calculus and she said what I love about your class is I learn something new every day hmm. and I, I you know I was hired to teach math it was not to preach the gospel mm -hmm. the only way I could preach the gospel was to uh, live a life where I was comfortable with myself and you know, I had little things that I did to uh, plant seed in their, their lives. That, and some of the kids I can see now by looking at Facebook, things have germinated into what I would desire for them. Uh, uh, especially I have several uh, young ladies that have become very good mothers, mm. I can just tell. Mm. And one of them lives right across the street from me. She, <laughs> That's uh, great. She said, I thought your house was the house we came to for the party. We always had a party at the end of uh, the calculus uh, year. Mm. And she said, I, I was telling her mother and her husband, she said, I think he lives somewhere here. I think I went to his house for a, for a party. But that's uh, that's kind of... I guess what happened, because when you gave me the question, I was thinking, I never did anything mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. I got a little story of my dad. Uh, my dad, the best four and a half years of his life was after he got cancer mm -hmm. in the uh, 1980s, the 87, around 82, 83. And uh, it was terminal. I remember our doctor, who was the anesthesiologist, came out and he told me, I said, well, how much time does he have? And he said, well, probably th three months at the most. And my dad lived four and a half years after that. Wow. And uh, he saw every day a as a gift from God, which he'd never seen before. Mm. But what was the funniest thing, right after the operation where they discovered the cancer, I and my two younger kids went up to see him. And he was just sitting there in bed and uh, uh, joking around with the kids and talking about what he was going to do when he got out of the hospital and everything. And so we left, walking down the hallway. My my daughter, who's very outspoken, my my third third daughter, she says, she says, why isn't Grandpa sad? And I said, well, what do you mean? She said he's going to die. And that gave me the greatest opportunity. 
to explain why he wasn't sad. Mm. He, he was trusting whatever God had for him. Mm. And I think it was the first time in his life that he really did that. Mm. And the gift of uh, three months turned into four and a half years. Mm. So I, I think that's the way we have to live. And especially as teachers, and I think the teachers that can do that are the most effective. The expectation of yeah. something yet to come. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'm reminded, listening to both of you talk here, of that great line uh, from the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians 3, 2, where he says that we are epistles known and read of all men. I suppose today, if we were talking about this, he would have said we are emails known and read of all yeah. men. Uh, we are people that other people... RadioNext.tv, we are live from the Collaborate 317 Studios. Man, Gordon Brooks is in here, got a brother all excited. That was the Jazz Crusaders. And now we want to turn you on a little bit to Brother Gordon Brooks. Go ahead, man, take it away. Save something for him, Gordon. Save something for him, baby, because look, we've got this new initiative coming up in 2018 where we're going to be performing live, have live performances out here as we brew this nonprofit incubator, and you will get to hear the likes of brothers like Gordon Brooks. Mark Eckle, take the show back over, man, before I get in here and start talking too much. <laughs> uh, my brother, HB, whose um, who's first, first language is music. Uh, he was just talking, and Gordon were just talking about waking up in the morning with melodies, lyrics already flowing through their minds. This is a marvelous thing. Gordon, uh, thanks for uh, bringing your wind instruments with you. I thought I'd just give you an opportunity to promote what it is that you do here. Uh, you just gave me your card. Tell us a little bit about your mission and why that's so important to you. My mission is to help young and old people learn to live through life's lyrics because you're always going to well not always but you're going to have bad and good days and to be able to make the best out of it no matter what happens mm -hmm. that's why my songs are blues jazz and old standards because blues just state how life is some days and and jazz is very free mm -hmm. and it's in song that we stand or we we move because the melodies are what we live by um and I just like doing the mood music of different events to where folks can sit back, relax, and enjoy dinner and then go into whatever meeting or function it is. Um, but it's not just to have a party. Mm -hmm. I like the older songs that actually tell a story from Nat King Cole, uh, Duke Ellington. There was more of a message behind their music, and it left people with good, positive thoughts. Mm. I'm an Army musician, so... You pump them up for war, and then you also chill them out after the fact. Mm. And uh, 
it's an excellent way to make a living. Yeah, and you do it so well. It's so much fun to just sit here and listen to this, but much less watch you play. I mean, I've always appreciated musicians and what they do. I, just for the sake of saying it, I actually was on the campus of IUPUI yesterday listening to one of our Cominia students play her harp mm. and do a harp performance. And that, oh, my word, just... I I was talking with a person sitting up next to me, and I said to her, you know, this music that calms the savage beast, I mean, you know, harp music, my word, it's just so genuine and quiet. and So it's kind of fun to hear you talk about chilling guys out, you know, afterwards. That's a great thing. Well, we had retreats and, you know, the, the different NCO clubs. Because mm-hmm. um, you get, you got to relax, you got to unwind. Mm. Um but you brought up the harp, and I thought of the Harpo brothers, the Marx brothers. Yeah. And, and that was the first spot I heard the harp and watching him get lost in his music. Uh, Harpo, because I guess he didn't speak except to family after his wife died. Mm. And it's one of those stories that I, I, I vaguely remember. But those are the comedians that weren't too gross, but it was very funny, the different mm-hmm. things they did. Mm-hmm. And that harp. Yeah. yeah. So uh, one of the questions that obviously comes up here, Gordon, and I, and I have to ask this question is, uh, how does your work as a musician inspire thankfulness, uh, much less friendship? Uh, how do you do that? How, do, how does that? What does that mean to you? Just the fact that I can share my joy, and I play a number of um, convalescent or assisted living homes, and I'm able to play the songs that the folks want to hear that brings back fond memories. I've had one lady come up and say her mom hadn't spoken in years. Mm. And then when I started singing the songs, it brought her out of her world. Wow. And they come up and after a church Sunday, a lady was crying mm. because of, of me playing a little solo. And it just helps bring it in. And, and it's it's biblical, the yeah. Psalms. Um and it's just one way to walk through life if you got a melody going through your head. Um, Makes a huge difference. Uh, you mentioned the Psalms. I'm, I'm doing an Old Testament overview at my church. And we talked about the Psalms here this last week and talked about hymnody and how important that is and how important to understand that when you're talking about the Old Testament, First Testament teaching in the Psalms, these were written for people to hear first, not to, not to read. So think about that. You know, these are psalms that people heard first, and they heard it in melody. Right. And the word has a, a sing mel- melodic way when you read it alive, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, I, I, just like Shakespeare. Yeah. It's a living word. And when you hear someone speak it, it mm-hmm. does come alive, and it takes on a whole new effect. Yes. Because it's, it's, there's power in the word. That's right. I, I'm, I have to read off your uh, your place where we can get your uh, get your information here gordon gordon h brooks dot com and i wanted to just reiterate that his uh, mission is to help people young people old and and young uh to learn to enjoy living life through life's lyrics and i that last line through life's lyrics really matters you know we're just talking about the psalms and you just said words have a melody all their own all their own and it's a flow of life because I write poetry, and, and one that's published is um, Moon. Are we racing toward the future? Mm. Too damned fast. Mm. No respect for the present, slowly killing off the past. Mm. Killing off, covering up things we no longer need because we have no place for them with all our other greed. Mm. Are we racing toward the future? Wow. And that came from standing on an um, overpass uh, parking garage in Springfield, Mass., 
and watching the traffic go by in the Connecticut River just over the side. And there's garbage over there. Mm. And it's where Indians may have camped and whatnot. And we're just racing by. We don't even realize there's history there. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. We're too busy making the almighty dollar. Yeah, not the truth. Wow. It's really kind of fun to hear that you that you write poetry. Uh, my brother H.B. writes poetry, too. You guys need to get together and uh, do this thing, you know. Just one more time, let me just suggest that we're Collaborate 1317. And uh, we do some really great events out here. And uh, we're going to be uh, hearing more and more about concerts and opportunities to hear music, live music, from great Indianapolis musicians like Gordon Brooks uh, in the future. So stay tuned for some of those kinds of things. Dennis, I wanted to ask you uh, to tell us some stories. I've asked uh, uh, Gordon to talk about what does it mean uh, in terms of music and thankfulness and so on. But I wanted you to tell us some stories about students whose lives were changed by being thankful. I what, what kind of stories could you tell us about that? Oh, boy. Um, that's the one question I found <clears throat> really hard to answer because I really wasn't looking for it uh, that much. One of the things that I get that is really precious to me is Every so often, somebody will come on Facebook with some memory and uh, just thank me for being there Mm. at the time. And uh, that's what I've seen uh, as I know one of the guys I taught with in the first few years said, uh, you shouldn't be in teaching if you are there just to be uh, thanked by the kids because Mm. they... They're just not thinking about that right then, <coughs> and I, I saw that. Well, I saw that uh, one day. I was working a, a program after school, helping kids to, uh, you know, tutoring them, uh, helping them in math, and somebody else helping in English, somebody in the social studies. And w- one day, one of the guys came in. He sat down. He said, uh, "How do you?" Uh, how, how come? How, how are you always up? He said, "I'm just drained," and he just kept talking to me. And I, I was asking some questions, and he says, "I do and do and do," and he says, "I never get any thanks in return." Mm. And I, I looked at him and I said, "You know, if that's what you're doing it for, mm. you're going to run out of gas." <laughs> and. Uh, I did that day share what agape love was, mm-hmm. and I, I said, you know, and I just told him frankly, I said, uh, I think the thing that keeps me going is I'm not worrying about their thankfulness to me, but my source is not them, but mm. it's God, it's Jesus mm. uh, working through me, and. Uh, I don't know how much an effect it may, but I, I see a, a lot of people burning out in life because they are looking for thanks when the, really I think the, the best uh, source of thanks is when we can have God say to us, uh, say to us, good job, faithful servant. Mm. Is, is what we need. I mean, that's, mm. 
that's what I can see. I, I got a uh, better quit hitting the table. Uh, <laughs> I, I got a text a while back from a young lady that uh, I taught at Hancock Central, and when when I left there uh, the last year, we were uh, undefeated both in football and the basketball team I coached, the reserve team. Uh, was was undefeated and uh, you know I taught all the high school math and the schools were consolidated and uh, a lot of people expected me to get maybe a better position than I was offered and this young lady was still writing me you know 50 years later how upset she was uh, how I was treated and I never felt like I was treated badly it was just <laughs> That's the way uh, the coaching game goes. I went to another school. I tried to tell her, you know, this was an opportunity, and she, she's a Christian. I think she understood that, you know, God doesn't allow anything to happen to you that is not in his plan, that he wants to mold you and make you through uh, different experiences. It's just like with, with Joseph when he was confronted with his brothers and he said you intended this for evil but God meant it for good and I've, I've been able to share things like like that because it's when you face these difficult positions things that happen to you in life that it really uh, shows uh, who's in control if, if I'm going to fret and worry and get angry then uh, I'm trying to run my own life. If I see things that happen as God moving me from one point in life to another, uh, then I can I can be uh, thankful to, to what He's doing. Hmm. And, and by the way, uh, go ahead. I just wanted to say, uh, Mark is my Sunday school teacher right now. So, <laughs> so I've been I've been enjoying the. I've been enjoying this overview of the the Old Testament and good and the way you uh, are teaching. Well, it. thanks. And especially uh, seeing how the Psalms are really uh, uh, the lit literature in the Bible to change the heart mm. uh, through the passions mm. that we have, rather than just through the intellect. So yeah, oh, thank you for that. I, uh, that was a. Not a shameless plug there either, you know. That was <laughs> very lovely. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm always grateful uh, for the the thanks of folks, and and kind of like you, Dennis. I I have to say, you know, I've been teaching for 35 years. I'll, I'll catch up to you soon. I know that you were at over 40 here, I, but I tell young teachers all the time, you have to be in this for 10, 20, 30 years to appreciate the fruit of what happens in teaching because it's over a long period of time. We're just planting seeds. I mean, all of us who are teaching are just planting seeds. And when we realize that, and, and maybe I should also say we're also plowing ground, and some of that ground is cement sometimes. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, we're planting seeds, we're getting the soil ready, and maybe somewhere down the line, 5, 10, 20 years from now, somebody will get it. I had a student come to me. This was a couple of years ago. He said, you know, I just became a believer. When I was in your classes, I swore at you. I spit at you. I didn't like you. Um, I hated what you taught, 
but he said, you know, 20 years later now I've, I've become a Christian. And, and he said, you know, I feel so bad now because I feel like I've wasted that time. And I said, no, man, don't, don't think that way. Think you have been given this great gift and here is the beginning of this new phase of your life and the opportunities that you now have. Uh, so you have to stay at this for a long time, you know, in order to see the, the thankfulness really kind of roll in, as it were. Uh, Gordon, I wanted to, to switch back over here to this uh, musician issue and, and just uh, say this. In, in your travels to perform as a musician, what kind of stories could you tell us about interactions with others who are grateful for their musical opportunities? You know, do you rub shoulders with folks who are, you know, share your gratitude, your thankfulness uh, in life just generally? I'm sure in some way, shape, or form, there's a number of them that do. My bass player, uh, when I was out in uh, Springfield, actually had a heart transplant, and uh, we've been able to, he found me on Facebook, mm. and we've been able to maintain touch and when i went out east to celebrate a friend's birthday i gave him a call and he was able to come over and to play with nice and um i was able to talk with them he covered my band when i came home to be with my mom as she was fading and he covered my band to the point that when i went back i still had a band hmm. and we talked to god and um my piano player in new york I found him, and his daughter found me, hmm. and he was mad at his wife because she didn't show up to a play that I was in. And I said, hey, now, she may have had an issue. Be cool, or you're in solo like me. Hmm. He married her, and now he's got two kids. <laughs> and just able to be in someone's life, and, and we called ourselves the fresh pair, and <laughs> that friendship um, over the years is a, a, a statement hmm. um, and then a couple other guys one guy's out in Kansas I surprised him when he got married and um, we talked God and we're all in some of those late night evenings what do you talk about mm -hmm. it's you talk about your place in life why you are who you are and is it destiny is God designing your steps ordering your steps and those fellowships are just sweet because hmm. um, he's able to teach me some Jewish things about names of um, folks and what they mean to the point that you want to be careful about what you name your child from the Old Testament because you may be putting a heck of a title on them. <laughs> uh, but even though it sounds nice, it, it may not be edifying to be find out what your name really means. Mm. But yeah. those, those times of... of late night music mm. and, and jams to where we make up and we able to sing praises mm. uh, are, are just super, super Thankfulness special. comes in so many different forms and fashions. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We're going to take a quick musical break and we'll be right back. <laughs> Thank you. 
Gordon Brooks on the sax playing It's a Wonderful World. Great stuff. Love it. This is a fantastic opportunity to talk to two lifelong friends uh, who are both believers, Gordon Brooks and Dennis Wilson, talking about friendship and gratitude the day before Thanksgiving. And we would be remiss if we didn't say out loud to everybody listening and to those who might join us in the podcast afterwards, blessings on your holiday. Enjoy your families. Uh, have a great time with each other. Talk, laugh, sing, listen to music, uh, have a great time with grandkids, kids, uh, enjoy each other. And uh, generally, I would want to say also from uh, both of you, I think both of you would all agree with this, and you kind of prompted it in my mind, maybe this Thanksgiving will be the opportunity for some people, some families, to actually forgive each other. Wouldn't that be a good thing? if we could actually forgive each other for things that uh, maybe we need to get back together again and have that that camaraderie and family life that we once knew and uh, wasn't possible for some time but could be again. So uh, maybe that leads us to uh, one of these questions uh, for all of us, uh, and you guys can uh, jump in on this at any point, uh, however you want to. How should the church at large, and by the church, when I say that, I always mean capital T, capital C, all churches everywhere, universal church, uh, all of God's people. Uh, how can we contribute in a positive manner toward gratitude? And you can take that in any direction you want to go. How does the church contribute? Well, I think one of the things that's going to have to happen if the church is going to really become as effective as it should is we can't stay uh, cloistered in our groups and... Uh, only be around, uh, I would say, those that are like us. Mm. You know, we, <coughs> for the sake of uh, uh, society and culture and everything, we need to start uh, building bridges and, and talking to each other and sitting down and really uh, communicating and uh, deciding that we're going <coughs> to. You know, one of the things I wrote here before I come is, came is, why do we listen? Hmm. You know, sometimes we listen so we can respond. <clears throat> sometimes I, I know a guy that says, if, uh, if I detect any negativity in what you say, and what he meant by negativity was if you disagree with me, I just shut you off. Hmm. I don't listen hmm. anymore. But you, you either shut people down or we listen to respond, or are we listening to understand? Mm. That's the thing that uh, we need to do. And then are we ready then to uh, uh, share the gospel? And many times that means uh, giving our lives uh, sacrificially mm. for uh, things that are important and truth. Mm. Wow. Sacrificial giving sounds... Uh Sounds very much like a Thanksgiving theme here. <laughs> Gordon, how would you jump in on this one? Sacrificial living and giving. Mm. To empathize with so many friends of mine and family are going through so many situations. My best friend just lost his dad. Mm. And for the last four or five years, he's been taking care of him. He's got Parkinson. Okay. And, and I can't be there, but to understand the pain of this holiday, because sometimes I get amazed that God allows certain things to happen around the holidays. Mm. So every time that holiday comes up, the first thing you do is to think about that. Mm. 
and for people to, to be more sensitive to where they, they call them up, go give them a hug, do any number of things just to comfort their heart. Mm. And it's not always saying anything, but it's just being there. Mm. And, and I guess to empathize, to get out of our, our world, to expand it more. Mm. Um, but to be thankful for what we got and to understand that other folks may not and to ask God, how can you help them make it not as painful, mm. but a, a sweet mm. pain? Because mm. um, I keep thinking of memories from Barbara Streisand. Music is how you hold on to the good mm. and you let go because God talks about whatever is good and just, think on these things. Yeah. And, and to remember that we can direct our focus. Mm-hmm. Be the positive thoughts, positive memories, how that person used to be, mm. the laughter, mm. uh, and not to think about, well, this is what they did, to let go of so much mm. um, to choose to enjoy. You had, uh, both of you have suggested this by your comments about the longevity of memory and how important it is to forgive and forget and, and to press on toward the future. Uh, when you think about this in terms of uh, thankfulness and gratitude and you think about the years uh, sometimes in this case that somebody's uh, loved one might have died over the holidays, how important is it to remember uh, that these things, even though they took, uh, they took place years ago, how do we still come alongside people years after to remember these things and to help them through the pros- problems that they face? just remembering the difficulties of whatever situation it might have been, the loss of a loved one or some traumatic event. It's bringing them to the Word and the fact that if they were born again, you're going to see them again. Mm. But then also just it's a piece of life. Mm. And and we choose how we live it. Mm. Um, Because, I mean, I guess with my grandchildren, that's my biggest concern right now mm-hmm. is that they're at the beginning stages mm. and for them to make some good decisions mm. without being harping on them, you know. Right. Um, and then for me to, to, to just hold on to what's good, the good memories, the laughter, the joy, mm. the family time, and to remind folks of those mm. memories. Yeah, so memory really is tied to gratitude in a, in a very important way. Well, even when the Word says meditate on, Mm. the Word's been written 2,000 years before me, Mm -hmm. and I'm meditating on a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And I like the correlation of a cow chewing its cud Mm. and the saliva coming out because the Word is juicy, and it just makes you, (laughs) oh, gosh. Because there's different times, and I'm glad I knew the Word that got me through the different times that I was going through. Mm. And Uh, one of the words actually in Hebrew... uh, for meditate is ruminate, which comes from this concept of chewing something over and over and over again. So you even get that in cows, you know, in, in your illustration here. That's a very powerful idea. Uh, the, the issue of memory and gratitude is a very important aspect, I think, for all of us. We have a, this tendency to, to shove the past away, and I, I realize that about myself. I don't, I, there are some things I'd much rather forget like to move beyond, uh, but they keep cropping up in one way or another, you know, to one degree or another. And uh, we, have, uh, we have the responsibility to, to uh, deal with those memories in a positive way. 
We're coming down toward the end of the show here, and uh, I would like to just hear from both of you as, as we close out. And, and Gordon, I'm going to ask just before we end if you'd play another tune for us. But uh, before we do that, uh, how would you like to leave this radio show today? What would you, last words would you like to give the audience? To love freely, to forgive, to let go. Because that's my biggest battle, is to let go. Because the adversary wants to bring up where someone did you wrong. Mm -hmm. And we can only go as far as we're taught. And some folks can't be held responsible if they were taught by someone that had a lot of hatred or anger. Mm. Uh, but to love them to the point that they may come out of that, that darkness. Mm. Because use me, here I am, send me. I keep thinking of that. And, and let me be a part of, of what changes somebody's heart. Mm. That's a great line. Thank you so much uh, for the emphasis that you placed there on love. And we'll come back to you in just a second. Dennis, how would you like to end your comments today? Well, <clears throat> I, I think we, we have to get back to what Gordon was saying, back to the Word of God and we have become a, a feeling-oriented people. And instead of a, a reason and reality-based in people, people and, you know, we're, we're taught everywhere. That's the reason I started all my math classes with trying to show kids that there was uh, things in this world that were absolutely true. And uh, I could start out, I could show them, and then... In the end of it, when I asked the question, did man make this rule or did man discover it? And they would say, discover it. And then I would give them the question I didn't want them to physically answer or to think about was, well, then if we discovered it, then somebody put it there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, th I think we have to get back to, uh, we, we've got to have the passion and the emotion and the feeling but it needs to follow from the truth. Mm. And uh, I like a quote of Martin Luther King Jr. who said, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. Mm. And uh, this, is why, this is why right temporar temporarily defeated is stronger than evil uh, uh, triumphant and... Uh, we just need to realize. Uh, I think it's 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 Borum H. Uh, Borum had a poem about the candle and the bird, and we try to we think uh, we worry about Christianity being snuffed out by a candle, but actually it's more like a bird because when the tree rustles, the bird will fly and go somewhere else and land. Mm. And, uh, you know, God's uh, purpose will never be defeated. Mm. And we just need to uh, realize that and then be willing to do our part. Mm. There will always be a remnant. Yeah. And the emphasis on unconditional love and uh, unconditional truth, both of those things going together is huge. Uh, Gordon, uh, I'd really like it if you would uh, kind of close out our last few moments here with a song. Uh, what would you like to play here to end? In a garden sounds appropriate. In the garden. There you go. So here it is, folks, to end our show today, Warp and Woof Radio on RadioNext.tv, the Cool Groove site. This is Gordon Brooks playing In the Garden. <laughs> 